0: Hi, I'm Mark Gnielski. I'm your host of the Economy of Wellbeing podcast. Today, I have special guests Ron Lynch and Brianna Greenspan joining me both from Austin, Texas, for a lively conversation about all kinds of great things, innovations, ideas, miracle mornings, and the incredible spirit that is alive today bringing us hope for a new economy, a new way of doing business, and a new way of waking up each morning as if every morning is a miracle morning. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Economy of Wellbeing podcast. I'm your host, Mark Anielski. My next special guest is Ron Lynch. Ron is a unique creative force in the marketing industry. Based out of Austin, Texas, he is a prominent direct response television producer, screenwriter, director, inventor, author, investor, and philanthropist. Ron teaches marketing through his four-star gold-rated course, The Marketing Mercenary. This teaches young marketers and experienced marketers how to think about wealth, money, and ethical sales from an audience perspective. It is a guide that over 200 people have used to launch businesses over the last three years. Ron was also instrumental in marketing The Social Dilemma, which is trending in popularity on Netflix. On March 14, 2020, during the first day of COVID, he launched the Global Feeding Network charity called Intellihelp, utilizing technology to connect people in need and givers in an Uber meets the Red Cross fashion. It was the fastest-growing non-celebrity group on Facebook this year with over 100,000 members internationally in a matter of weeks. With a background in retail operations as a grocery operations director, he has a CEO-level understanding of supply chain, labor, and profit and loss. Ron has a passion for ethically bringing innovations to consumers that solve real problems. Most often, associated as the creative strategist for GoPro and 70 other brands, including Rug Doctor, Orange Glow, and OxyClean, Samsung, and Johnson Brands. He has several patents, had a hand in over a dozen films, and produced a library of over 400 television commercials, representing $4.5 billion in receipts. Ron is happy to offer counsel and perspective to open minds and hearts. He's on the board of several tech and food-oriented startups as well. He is here to help offer perspective and teach you how to create connectivity that benefits those around you through what he calls the law of traction. He lives in West Austin, Texas, with his wife of 30 years, his three adult kids, and a dog, all at the Swiss consulate. Before Ron joins me, my friend Brianna Greenspan, who's also in Austin, Texas, joins me for the preliminary preamble to then a lively conversation between the three of us. Brianna Greenspan, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're doing, what you're passionate about.
1: What I'm doing, what I'm up to. <laughs> what
0: are you up to? What Who am are I interested you?
1: in? Who am Where I?
0: Are you? You're in Houston, Texas.
1: Yeah. I- I am actually in Austin, Texas You're at the moment. You're in Austin now, yeah. Um, and my name is Brianna Greenspan. And I'm curious, what could you possibly want to know? I, I am in a global task force with you. That's how we met. And That's I basically right. spend all my time doing all the good I can in all the ways I can at all the times I can for all the beings I can as often as I can. And I have like a professional resume and all kinds of other things that I could bore people with, but that's really the gist of it. I'm spending my time doing what I can to be of service for those that um, show up on my path and I'm called to support.
0: Wow. So how old are you now? Are you eighteen? No, I'm just kidding.
1: I am thirty-three. Although I get that one a lot because I actually was born with a genetic condition called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and so I was kind of born feeling like I was old, but looking very young. And so it's like a interesting paradox where you know I feel like I'm eighty, but I look like I'm eighteen. You look like you're eighteen.
0: <laughs> I have to say, like you do not look thirty-three. Um, yes so I am
1: 33 years young today
0: so I can't bug you about how is it possible that you all you do is think about service to others and does that mean you're independently wealthy or have you chosen this path Uh, and I we know a little I know a little bit about your own health um, past and crisis and how crisis shaped your miracle mornings Um, so maybe we're going to talk a little bit about that that past and which brings us to now.
1: I'd love to, but what I will say on the finance conversation is that I learned at an early age because of the excessive amount of suffering that I experience every day, that there's no amount of money that I could earn to buy my way out of the experience that I'm having. Wow. And so I just started focusing on what are the things that I can do to best serve myself What are the things that I can best do to best serve those that have similar or the same situation that I'm in? And what can I do to best serve others that uh, come along on my path? And so no, I'm not independently wealthy, but I also, um, I'm not spending money in the ways that I think I would be if I didn't have this, this challenge. Mm. And so I'm, I'm, you know, focusing on, the resources that I have and how I can make them go further, whether I'm playing a I kind of like play a different game. I, I play the game of life differently than others. And that's something that you and I have riffed on a lot of times. Yeah. And you know, it, it's all about resource sharing and and there's there's this weird concept that I have to make all the money in the world and you have to make all the money in the world and everyone else has to make all their own money and they should just keep it for themselves. But the truth is, there's no amount of money that can get somebody out of the the dark place that they're in. It's about community and collaboration. And so, yes, I work. I, I actually... Uh, work for a genetic testing company. I manage a medical contract with the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Disease. It's kind of a nerdy conversation. I'm actually in the process of co-creating a new disease with the NIH. It's called hereditary alpha tryptosemia. We've been publishing research for the last five years to kind of validate the research that the NIH discovered in 2015, Um, and now we're in the process of of the final step of getting an ICD-10 code, which is basically, um, that's the gold standard of a condition. A condition doesn't really exist unless you can bill insurance for it, and so um, I'm kind of championing this condition for patients with, with this issue. And since it affects 5% of Caucasian people, I know that there's a large swath of people who are suffering, that are going into anaphylaxis, that, you know, have widespread chronic pain and allergies and stomach challenges and autonomic challenges that nobody's really advocating for them. And because of my own health issues, I've, you know, just kind of felt drawn to best support those that feel similarly. Um, And, and support those that, you know, don't have someone to help them. And so, yes, I have a job. (laughs) But I also am the author of the Miracle Morning Art of Affirmations, which is a positive affirmations coloring book for adults and kids. And we teach families how to create structured morning routines
0: I I don't, I don't like, I don't have guests who just talk about coloring books on the show, but (laughs) we have, we have a miracle guest who just showed up. Ron Lynch is going to join us.
2: Hi, welcome to KTLA. everybody.
0: We have Houston. I mean, we have Austin and we, oh, you're both in Austin, aren't you?
1: And we just saw each other. Yes. And yes.
0: What is going on? But
1: Actually, I don't think he's in Austin. He's a traveler.
2: I'm in Austin right now. Oh, (laughs) I'm going to be in Vegas tomorrow.
0: And anyway, Ron, quick introduction.
2: Uh, Who am I? I'm a a creative, I'm a marketer, I'm a strategist. I work in the areas of uh, sales and marketing, kind of reverse engineering from individual consumers back to companies. I'm probably known most for helping GoPro launch with Nick Woodman. And prior to that, going all the way back to the traditional infomercial of world of lots of gadgets and cooking gadgets on TV and working with people like Billy Mays with OxyClean and Sonic Air <laughs> toothbrushes and all of that stuff. So when I say but wait there's more, I mean it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're a master convincing us what to consume.
2: Well hopefully I'm a master at helping you find what your actual problems are and matching them up to actual solutions credibly and ethically.
0: Wow. Were you involved in the social dilemma film?
2: Uh, just in the in the uh, help launch of that, just the the dialogue of getting people interested in seeing it, because I think it, in a form of marketing, everything that we do online as consumers is marketing to ourselves. We buy ourselves and sell ourselves by looking in the mirror. Yeah, and I thought that that was really a poignant part of that film was explaining to the consumer how much their cognitive bias plays into what the results are they get in life.
0: Right. So this is a, actually a great, uh, because I'm very fluid and agile here, uh, a great theme to riff on is this, you know, are we predispositioned for materialism and greed? Or are we hardwired for compassion, love, and well-being? Uh, you know, we're, we sort of, we've been convinced certainly in the economic field, I know, uh, which is more like the theology than it is, uh, science, uh, we've been convinced of material maximization and words like utility. But I'm, I'm not convinced we're, we're hardwired for greed and consumption as the basis of happiness. I, I believe more like Brianna that we're, we're hardwired for compassion and relationships um, and, and giving and sharing and, and not accumulation of material things because that brings fleeting value thoughts on that both of
2: you to talk about that for a second sure i'm happy to (laughs) Um, i think we come hardwired for love affection and the desire to give it and be seen for giving it and think about i mean just think about how you came out as a kid you didn't want your parents stuff you didn't want your sibling stuff you wanted their love and attention and you actually one of the craziest things is physical affection is we, we want to be held. We want to be known that we're loved. We want to be seen. Now, w- that starts to break down and we sociologically force it to break down. And th- that's part of the socialization process of shoving us into a society. Even as kids, stop touching, stop hugging, stop talking about love. Let's talk about building and making things where we build and make now. And there's this wow. transference to, hey, you're hunting and gathering. And we, we shove this tribalism and the, and the benefits of tribalism and we grow up to seek the things. If I have the things, then they'll love me. If I have the things, then they'll respect me. Or, or if I give the things there's just a, a huge problem with men is men go out into the world and they destroy their personal real estate relationships in the pursuit of acquiring things to give to other people. We're not Mm -hmm. just acquiring for ourselves. We're acquiring to give them to the other people so that they love us. Go, hold on a second. right? Yeah, Let's go back to having the conversation about the love. Because they actually love you. And the less you're pursuing, like it's got to be a balance. Yeah, you got to survive. You got to have a a teepee over the head and you got to have a fire at night. But we don't have to trade all of one for all of the other.
0: uh, that's fantastic what a great reflection especially from a male so from a female perspective Brianna miracle morning woman
1: you know I agree that we are definitely hardwired for love and compassion and affection and exactly what Ron said we we naturally come out of the womb craving connection human connection but as we socialize and as we grow up we've been conditioned to think that those aren't the ways that we should be showing up in the world. And so we've kind of shoved down this um, outward desire for connection and affection in the pursuit of materialism. And I am constantly surprised um, when I see people say, I strove I I was striving so hard to to buy this Mercedes, to acquire this thing, and it didn't bring me happiness. And I'm shocked that they're shocked. And <laughs> <laughs> it just re-reminds me that the the things that bring us the most fulfillment are often free. The things that actually bring us wholeness and well-being. We don't act, we don't need to strive so hard to achieve those things. You know, we can have balance in our body just by breathing, which everybody in the world, everybody is afforded the opportunity to breathe. Do we breathe deeply on our own? Often not, but that's also some conditioning. So I I agree with you that I think we are hardwired for love and we need to re-shift the way that we are conditioning generations so that we can show up not idolizing materialism think
2: about the word celebrity
0: mm.
2: celebrity Tea. celebrating an individual and we have we built this culture around celebrity and celebrating these individuals and we say i love marilyn monroe and i love james dean and then i love john lennon and then i loved and then i and then I love Michael Jackson and they all perished. They all died. Did you love them? Marilyn Monroe has no idea you loved her. Michael Jackson has no idea you loved him. He didn't feel any of that love. And we, when one of those people passes away, we go, Oh, it was so sad. We miss them. They're not missing you. They never actually had a relationship with you. And that's part of the celebrity lies, if I can, and and I think that we all kind of push ourselves to, hey, we need more fame and more money. I need more attention and more money. And as you get farther along that road, you realize that's happened. None of that is real. No, that's
0: real. And I think there's a poverty actually being a celebrity. I think there's a sadness. So relationships actually in the science of happiness, relationship is the key variable that you can affect. You can not affect who you're born into, uh, your upbringing. That's already set. You know, and But the relationships you can affect and you can choose who you want to befriend. So
2: there's, whether it's chasing fame or money or anything, River Phoenix was a good friend of mine. I was in a movie with him 30 years ago. And watching him perish was really um, critical in my psychological development about how I dealt with fame as a young person. Mm. I thought about it. And fame is, it has no top. But it has a huge downside you just don't know when the downsides coming and once it happens to you like there's only a few john travolta's in the world that have been able to reinvent themselves a couple of times and really reinvent themselves that's one in literally eight billion people on the planet that just doesn't happen Mm. so that crash comes and then it's who am i after that um and i have literally sat and had a lunch or dinner with a celebrity and had someone of the, from the public come up and interrupt and say, didn't you used to be, can you imagine what that feels like to hear about
0: <laughs>
2: Didn't you used to be blink? No, I'm still that person. Right. Right.
0: Wow. Wow. So, so Brianna, you, I mean you have an incredible story of, of health and overcoming, um, and, and your miracle morning protocol and book, um, have inspired a lot of people. I, I, I feel I haven't read it yet.
1: I will just say a caveat. I am not the creator of the miracle morning. Hal Elrod is the creator and author of the miracle morning. And I just have one tiny little book in his series, but I am a very big fan of what he's created and, a you know, a practitioner and a teacher of uh, this methodology, because I really believe that pouring into ourselves, giving ourselves the time we need to actually sit with ourselves, hear our own thoughts, be able to ground ourselves for the beginning of each chaotic day. it's, It's the magic that we really need. And we're so busy and we're so conditioned to think that we need to be on to the next thing and we're so behind at all times that we actually don't even give ourselves a moment to breathe. And so when he created this concept, which is not new news, there have been many successful people throughout history who attribute their success to a morning routine. So this mm-hmm. is like what he created is really nothing but culminating what lots of other successful people attribute their success to and that's uh giving yourself the time to experience silence or or meditation affirmations visualization exercise reading and journaling and i fundamentally believe that every day when i give myself the opportunity to learn i actually prime myself to grow and i'm able to sit in uncomfortable spaces with equanimity in a way that if I had just woken up and turned on CNN, I probably wouldn't have that same, um, that same foundation that, that I, that I need to show up each day. So I am a big fan of house and the miracle morning and the savers um, because of that.
0: Wonderful. So so Ron, what on what Brianna just shared, I mean, in a way, marketing uh I was I was reflect on the how it is that news, right? So called news affects my emotion, captures my emotion. I get angry, I see what's going on. I mean, I'm a Canadian, so we're just kind of observing what's going on across the 49th and going, <laughs> Wow, there's a lot of emotion.
2: Why did we rent
0: this apartment upstairs? Like this is just bad theater I think but I, I I can't discern who's telling the truth or who you know and so you get caught in the spin cycle of emotion and boy are they good at feeding 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 and if you had it all turned off you would never know that sort SARS I mean uh COVID was happening except for people walking around with mat you know like the point is if you were just present to the to the, to the beauty out there um yeah. we wouldn't be caught in the emotion and from a so one of my questions, practically, is: Do you actually believe that we could create a marketing platform for happiness and well-being? I mean, I often reflect on the American Declaration and say it was the pursuit of happiness, Jefferson said, um, as the ultimate clarion cry of right of of your Constitution. And how is it that we cannot seem to be able to secure that platform? maintain it.
2: So there's a couple of things I have to say about that. One is the promise was the pursuit of happiness, not happiness.
0: Exactly. Thank you. Pursuit. <laughs> uh,
2: the pursuit of happiness. I think there's something simpler in the, in the context of, of reframing that that way. And that is how do you do things? Do you do them with a outlook of misery or amount outlook of joy? happiness is kind of like that peak, like celebrity and it drops off. You can't, happiness is not actually sustainable. It's a moment in your life because it's done in comparison to the rest of your life. It's a moment of happiness, but you can be joyful all the time. Thank you. That's what you bring to the game. So do I think it can be marketed? Um, I don't know if marketed would be be that the word I'd use, but self-selected. And I think that there's a platform for it. I think as you talk about the news, one of the things I'm highly cognizant of, based on my career, is utilizing the the brain as a computer. Language is a code, and we tend to forget that it's a it's a click click knock knock. You know, that's where we started. Yeah, like, click click. If animals having opposable thumbs. Well, yeah, I mean, us having opposable thumbs and them not. But language is actually a more powerful tool and has been than the than the thumb. Um, because language allows us to shift ideas from one to another. But we have control because of the way we're programmed with the basic language. So how words come out, even the tonality of the words changes the meaning of the sentence. So I can say um, I can say a sentence, the same sentence five different ways and give it five different meanings in the English language. Now, when you're seeing the news, you have to be aware That they selected those words in that order and said it that way in order to make you feel that emotion. It is intentional manipulation from all sides. I don't even want to say both sides because there's four sides.
0: Thank you. Yeah.
2: There's four or five platforms at work. And when I look, when I look for the news, my first reach is actually. I honestly open my phone and I scroll the headlines of CNN and the headlines of Fox on my phone. And, but I do it with that purpose to say, what are, what opinion, what emotion are they trying to sell me just in the headlines? How should I feel about what I'm about to read? They tell you in the headline, this is how you're going to feel about this. Then I go and I watch BBC or I watch Sky News. I, I get Al Jazeera, I'll actually get stuff from outside the U.S. because I, What's happened in, in our lifetime, Mark, more about the same age, is we've seen a shift from the news to opinion news.
0: That's right. That's right.
2: Walter Cronkite never told me how to feel about it. Yeah. But Anderson Cooper and Sean Hannity can't help but tell me how to think about it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um and that's I was thinking about how when you read a headline, I I mean focus on the adjective they used or the pejorative adverb (laughs) you know if if you say i've been described as a rogue economist i have to look it up what does rogue mean Uh, out of bounds like out of my temple out of my theology um
2: out of theirs
0: but they dissed me right i got dissed right away by political strategist who used the word rogue uh and i'm glad you you point out the the power of words, I know Brianna, you're reading my first book, The Equinox of Happiness, which was about rediscovering the original meaning and vibration of the words, economy, mortgage, uh, competition, education. They all have like old Latin or Greek roots. So we've lost their meaning, but the vibration of their, right? Their intent is not lost. But our minds hear something or read something and so we immediately go into an emotional response and so the inability to discern i think is one of the greatest um handicaps we have today and i know i get caught in it and certainly all my friends get caught in like what are we seeing on the news like what's actually going on and there's no way of as you said walter Cronkite would just report on what was known as what was going on in Mogadishu or something from an eyewitness account and even that was filtered but still you believed the account
2: well remember too when you and i were kids their news was 30 minutes to an hour long depending upon what news broadcast it was it wasn't a 24 hours hour cycle <laughs> right cycle. they all occurred on the same your choices were abc cbs and nbc they all occurred at exactly the same time so you cho- you chose your brand and they maybe sold you a Corvair and some Pepsi and JCPenney during the break. These, what's happening now is they're 24 hour cycles and they're competing with 400 TV stations to get you to watch them. So not only are the words incendiary, but the images are fake. Because if there's a event downtown what angle is the cameraman instructed what is he going to get he's going to get the most interesting thing and the great thing about the human mind is it fills in the blank janet lee did not get killed in psycho right there was a dark figure there was a knife there was a shower curtain and then there was chocolate syrup going down the yeah. drain
0: hitchcock was, was brilliant
2: the most horrifying murder in the movie was sensational and almost got an x rating because of the murder of janet lee in it
0: yeah yeah Hitchcock did yeah. not kill Janet Lee, right? <laughs> they're,
2: they're, they're, that game is being played with us constantly. Yeah. And what is being shown to us is very specific with the intent of keeping us watching.
0: So here's a big question because both of you know that I've just penned during COVID that the, the great declaration of love, which took the declaration of independence, just played with the word love in it, and see how it how it rings. And it actually looks pretty decent, you know. The only question then is, why can't we test this in our companies, in our lives, right? What is it stopping us from affirming that actually love is who we are? Everything else is a distraction in my mind. That, and this truth is, we know it's resonant in our hearts, and yet we we still get distracted. We still get confused. Uh, We still get caught in the hyper-normalization of that brilliant film by Adam Curtis, um, which I think explains that we are on a theatrical stage here. But how do we uh, reaffirm um, against apparently all odds this truth?
2: Well, how do you get your health? How do you get your wealth? How do you get anything else in life? Through this unfortunate thing called self-discipline.
0: Yeah, we have to
2: decide we have to opt in and opt out of those things in life. And if we went back to the model, what if we all agreed to say, you know what, we're all going to watch just 30 minutes of the news once a day based on our schedules, but we're not going to get consumed by anything and start to lower our consumption Mm. of all things in life. You don't get healthier by eating more. You get healthier. We proven science says eat five tiny meals a day. Move more. We get. We are created to create production of things instead of consumption. I think that's the first clue.
0: That is the first clue. Brianna comments.
1: I Move actually later. want Ron to continue. Okay, please. He's got many clues.
2: What, what do you see as? Because you you lived, we've lived through the same era. So think back to the '60s. I'll say to 1980, before we had the explosion of the PC, the cellular phone and all of Uh, that.
0: I had a handheld, uh, uh, you know, um, calculator that was $900 Texas instrument. Texas instrument, right? It's like, I remember... In 1980, 1980, we basically got our first handheld calculators.
2: Yeah, I, I think that a television probably cost the same in 1970 as it does now. I think they were about 300 bucks. That's 40. right. Yeah. Um, so, look, but looking in that time frame, what do you think is the the major difference in the experience of humanity, like as individuals, between there and now, plus all this technology, 40 years of technology on top of that? I think there's a huge shift in what. The expectation of what the actual true experience of people are due to this connectivity I,
0: I think the biggest change Marshall mcLuhan the great you know Marshall McLuhan Canadian uh, brilliant man uh, you know the medium of this message he also wrote his blue book which I have it's called the medium and the light <laughs> this is his story of his own spiritual journey and at the end oh, we're gonna get uh, That's funny, because I I don't have a pizza account, so we might get cut off in five minutes, but that'll be good, that's okay. So he said at the end of his book, which is a brilliant book of his own spiritual journey, this was 1973, he wrote this. Make no mistake, Lucifer is a great electrical engineer. Now his mother was a, a brilliant orator and she would refuse to use a microphone in the church because she said it make Latin sound shrill. So we literally have a scenario where I think McClune was right. The great dissonance is the electrical, you know, uh, EMF technology that's distracted us from our hu- true human nature. And when we pray, when we meditate, when we do Miracle Morning, we know that when we remove ourselves from that field, we see things differently, we experience joy but as long as we're swimming in this field is pollution. And we ourselves, of course dosing, you know, I do it all the time. I'm driven by push notices too. So it is a very, very slippery slope. Uh, and I think we've lost a lot from the days in the sixties when we didn't, we went out to play. We went out till the lights went out in the street and we weren't afraid of things. Um, we just played as kids and we, you know, I remember the first color television my my dad bought, and it's like, "Wow!" And look how far we have come, and look how distracted we are.
2: Yeah, I think when I look back to our grandparents' generation, they truly were a we. They had to survive from the depression. They had to survive through the war. There had to, there was a we nature to their culture. And in the '50s, after their their you know a lot of them were decimated by world war ii and then Korea, and then our parents came along and they became the me generation and there was this spoilage of now we could start to mass produce food and things and create you know and then we came along around the same time disneyland did and that like it started to narrow up to really and now we've gotten to a gen to generations and this is not to throw any shade on any particular generation just <laughs> humans to, to like there's nobody but me that we've gotten to i gotta be and i gotta be important i gotta be seen to the world and you have this these tools of connectivity that allow a justin bieber to go right. on YouTube and be found be discovered and suddenly become an international superstar which is probably our version of the mousketeers right but
0: oh it we, is the mousketeers yeah
2: yeah but but we've got this this dynamic of everybody needs to be seen and get validated by so many multiple people that they don't even know. And I think the recoil to this eventually is we're going to come back to the wheeze of our great grandparents and our grandparents going, we need, we need to be in it for us and quit being distracted by this desire for lavishness in our lives. That's not really great.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, I know Brianne, I want to have you talk because
1: I really want to say something about this we concept because what I love so much about Ron and what was so in, intriguing and inspiring the first time I met him was learning about how he, in, on his own, is reinspiring this we culture. And he, in the pandemic, I'd love for you to share what you started with IntelliHelp. Oh,
2: you, and, it. you You're a part
1: of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm just the same way that I love the <laughs> Miracle Morning, I love IntelliHelp because it... It's a vehicle for me to care about someone who needs me right now. Mm. And there are so many people who are in dire need. They're figuring out, are they going to pay rent? Or are they going to put food on their table? And if there's a possibility where someone can pay rent, and we can put food on their table, that's a beautiful representation of the word we. And Ron decided to use technology and all of his genius marketing and and all the magical growth hacking things that he does to connect givers with askers on the most basic fundamental thing, and that's feeding your family. And so I'm a super fan of what you've created and, and really just blown away by how you internalize where the world needs to go and you create the solutions and allow everybody to be a part of it. This isn't Ron's thing. You know, and he, and in his intro, he didn't even mention that he's fed millions of people <laughs> <laughs> during COVID specifically just by saying, hey, do you have more than you need right now? Maybe you could find it in your heart to Instacart over to someone who doesn't have as much And these people are able to just ask for a few things, 10 items, a couple times a quarter. So it's not like people are taking advantage of the situation. It's just when someone needs a leg up to get to where they need to go, how can we inspire the we culture? And so, you know, it's such a, it's, it's something that all of the tech people that really claim to be futurists, claim to be visionaries, claim to care about the world, should take note of because there's a lot of technologies out there that can beautifully connect us to this we culture that we need to be going towards anyway. And so I, you know, my highest hope is to see more IntelliHelps popping up and to see, you know, big business supporting IntelliHelp and actually saying, oh, we see there's a lot of challenges out there. How might we support those things? Whether it's a Walmart or an Adidas or a, whoever they are who have the cash. Because in, in COVID, someone succeeded and we already know how many people are struggling. So what does it look like for us to create that beautiful marriage of the people who are looking to support on a corporate level and the people who are looking to support with just the few you know dollars that they have to, to connect with those people who really need it?
0: That's beautiful. I know we have like three minutes left on my free Zoom account. So thank you, Zoom. <laughs> for the shared asset. But uh, this is a beautiful conversation. I think I'm I know we could go on for longer, but um I'd like to just reflect um maybe another time run on, on what you've done. And I know Brianne and I have talked about creating a maybe a different platform. I've been working on this thing called Soulprint where we can, what is, what is life, but exchange of time, right? That's all we have is we, that's what we have in common. We have a, an hourglass. It's drawing down the moment we're born, call it 700,000 hours. So on a platform like you're talking about now, there's a mutuality of exchange, right? My hour for your hour, or maybe my hour is equivalent to 10 cans of refried beans in the cupboard. But, you know,
2: I, here's the, the, the thing and I think that you'll find this in what you're doing is we're actually connecting those people. So right. it's not going into a void. It's the per- the giver meets the asker and the person knows that they've been seen and they've been helped. And as a giver, it's a tremendous gift to know that you have really affected somebody's life, which makes them come back and give more. And it's it's the personal connectivity of rewiring the world. Yes. In racism, feed somebody's family.
0: Yes. I just wanted to thank you both Intella Intella Health or Intella
2: Intella IntelliHelp.
0: Intella okay so I'll make a big plug for Intella .org. Thank you to both of you.
2: Thank you